At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. G'day, everyone. Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're looking forward to a nice break over the holidays. Merry Christmas for those of you who are celebrating Christmas and happy Hanukkah. And I hope that uh, you get some time off. I think a lot of us have been slammed here in Australia anyway. A lot of us have been slammed all of a sudden as uh, the lockdown laws have uh, have been lifted. So I know for me it's been a um, – it's just been like whew, all of a sudden. So – um, I know you're not meant to start podcasts with apologies, but apologies for my absence last month. I'll tell you a little bit about what I've been up to and and what's been happening. But before we get into that, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So I, it's not that I haven't been podcasting. I actually have been busy podcasting uh, the last five or six weeks. Uh, I launched a new podcast, uh, quite different to this one, called Bad Marketing, and it's about how to spot and stop bad decisions, uh, specifically looking at marketing for small businesses and the kind of challenges that we face as small businesses and startups uh, trying to market ourselves. And um, I've published six episodes so far. And if you are interested in marketing and you like solving problems and you like hearing what other people have to say, uh, I recommend going and checking that out. It's on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the usual all the usual. I also do the episodes that I publish on the podcast are live streamed on LinkedIn. So uh, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you might have seen me posting uh, once a week. I do a live stream 8 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time uh, talking about these conundrums. So essentially how it works is I go Monday, I release a poll about a particular marketing conundrum that small businesses have. For instance, you know, we have no marketing budget. Um, was one or should we offer a bespoke solution was another one um see what people think we usually get a couple of really good comments and then on wednesday i share the poll results talk about the comments share my thoughts on it as well uh, and it goes for about 15 minutes so it's quite a short um podcast versus this one which is a little bit more long form um, I'm still making plans for exactly what I'm going to do with this podcast in 2022. I actually think that 2022 will be a big year for this show. Um, people are talking about the great resignation and people searching for more meaning and fulfillment in their working lives. And, uh, I'm excited to be also finishing up my career development course that I've been doing, uh, in February of next year. So I'm looking forward to, sort of having some really interesting discussions in 2022 about what we do with our career. Whoops, that's my cat. You might have heard that. Hi, Mia. You want to be on the podcast too? Okay, she's come to sit on my lap. She's here, guys. She's here with us. So, yeah, like I was saying, what we do with our career, what we do with our lives, 
um, how we find meaning and joy and purpose in uh, the work that we do with a specific, a specific, a particular slant um, in terms of entrepreneurship. So where I, I'm really interested is the cross-section of um, career and founding business. Uh, so sort of two passions of mine coming together. Uh, I haven't started planning out the content for 2022 for this podcast just yet. I'm just going to take a few weeks to like let my brain chill. I'm having uh, from Christmas Eve to uh, the 10th of January off. Um, so I'm just going to let that kind of play in the back of my mind and see see what I come up with. But I know it's going to be around uh, that question of how do we do work that we find uh, meaningful and fulfilling? How do we create businesses uh, that solve problems that we care about? Um, I also have been um, really excitingly exploring some really cool opportunities with some of my sort of um, main clients. And I'm really excited about some of the other work I'm going to be doing uh, in 2022 in terms of the clients that I'm working with. So I basically am now in a position where I have um, my books are full for my, you know, my bigger projects with clients that I work with, uh, which means that I'm going to also, I've got space now, I've got like brain space to start focusing on uh, how I can provide um, career development tools for entrepreneurs uh, that are affordable, accessible um, on my membership site. So I kind of have a membership site, but I haven't really done anything with it. Uh, it just has a few little freebies on there and I, I want to change the aesthetics and um, I just haven't been able to, I've sort of had split focus um, with that. So I'm kind of like now I have all of, I just feel like my life has come together so much more really um, in in every way and being back in Sydney has been so amazing for me. I am surprised. I grew up in this city and I have to admit, I thought that like it was, um, I was done with it. <laughs> I didn't think I would come back. Uh, I love being back. I'm so enjoying, uh, being here and, uh, having family and friends around being in a new relationship. Um, it's just all looking very, very, good for 2022. I hope your 2022 is looking good. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot about me, um, but I have been having some great conversations with people uh, in terms of what they're planning next year. And I think January and February really going to be those months where we need to think about how we do things more strategically. So um, yeah, I'll definitely be on the Bad Marketing Podcast. We've finished up season one. Go check it out if you like. But season two, that will be really about marketing specifically. This show is going to be a monthly podcast that's about our purpose and meaning and our careers. Uh, so that's how I'm kind of separating things. Um, I've also been doing some new writing uh, and that's what I'm going to read out in today's episode is an article I wrote on the entrepreneurship mindset and the power of business science. I know some people don't like to spend 12 minutes reading an article online. So I thought for this final episode, I would, I would read it out and I'll get onto that um, in, in a second. 
but if you want to check out my website, I've also got another article on marketing science. I've talked about Professor Byron Sharp and his, um, I think it's 12 laws. I've broken down each law of marketing in that article. Um, so if you head over to my website, laurencrest.com, and you do like reading, you can read what I'm going to read out today. You can also read a really comprehensive article on marketing science, breaking down Professor Byron Sharp's work. And also I talk about Les Burnett and Peter Field too. And there's some visuals there that are really helpful. So um, it, it's sort of like, yeah, I'm going in two directions, but everything's coming together. So I know there's people who've been listening to this show while it was called Grow Your Brand and that marketing is something that you've really got your um, your focus on. I know for other people, you're earlier on in the in the journey and the entrepreneurship mindset is something um, that would be really, really valuable. So this was actually, uh, I, I based this article off a speech that I did a keynote earlier this year um, for UNSW at their Careers in Science Festival. Uh, it was a 15 minute presentation. And then I uh, took that. I'm a really big fan of doing this. I've, this is why I'm starting to release articles. I basically just the uni gave me the recording of the talk. So I took the talk, cut out, because there was another keynote speaker as well, cut my section from the talk, uploaded it to Rev, uh, and then I got the audio transcript and then it was really easy for me to write the article. It still took me, I would say it still took me a day because this is kind of like, I feel like this is almost like my work in progress manifesto. Like if I was going to say something about, uh, business and entrepreneurship and and career and put it all together in a single piece of content. Uh, this article will probably be it. So, but it just sped up things for me so much. My brain tends to flip a bit everywhere when I try to sit down and write an article from scratch. And so, taking audio and then getting the transcript. I just do like a rough draft transcription. I get it perfectly transcribed, uh, and then turning into an article is such a good process for me. I'm so happy about it. Uh, it's been really, really fun. And that's how I did the marketing science one as well. So just before I read this article, um, I thought I probably should establish what is business science in the first place. So this was the definition that I kind of uh, put together a couple of years back. Business science involves the application of scientific principles and methodology to enterprise contexts in order to establish predictable patterns that can facilitate better decision-making. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm coming from with business science and the power of business science as it relates to what we're doing uh, in the startup journey or when we're starting a business, um, small business specifically, talking more, I would say more about that, although, you know, there's no reason you couldn't really apply it elsewhere. Anyway, maybe have a think about whether <laughs> it applies to your your context. Uh, but let me get stuck into this article. And if you do want to, if you do prefer to read, just head over to laurencrest.com forward slash entrepreneurship dash mindset. One of the biggest barriers for people who are thinking about starting a business is their belief that the odds of success are low. In fact, according to Gallup, 66% of potential entrepreneurs are hesitant to start their own business because of this. General advice for overcoming this hesitancy is for a mindset shift or more specifically, we're told to adopt an entrepreneurship mindset. But what does this actually mean? To me, an entrepreneurship mindset and a scientific mindset are one and the same. It's the reason I adopted the business scientist branding early on in my career transition from the media industry to a consultant and founder of my own business. 
To explain more, I need to take a step back and explain a little bit about my career leading up to this point. I've always been pretty indecisive about my career and for a long time I struggled with figuring out who I was in relation to the work I was finding myself doing. Our career development and workplace identity is indeed interesting and complex and it's worthy of its own article but for now let me say that for my undergrad years and a large chunk of my adult life I've asked myself with all the existential angst I could muster what am I going to do with my life? There have just been so many things I've wanted to do. I've wanted to be a doctor, a graphic designer, a clinical psychologist, a research academic, an author, a counsellor, a writer, a carpenter, a musician, a high school teacher, an interviewer, a professional speaker, salesperson, the list goes on and on. In first year of university, I began my major in psychology, whilst I also took philosophy and biology subjects. And there I discovered my love for big questions and systems biology. Pursuing these interests meant I also had to study maths and statistic courses along with additional chemistry and biochemistry subjects. But then I also really loved learning about the brain. So when it came time to consider my honours year research project, I took another detour and landed on doing my honours in neuroscience. I made all of these decisions thinking on the one hand that I would most likely end up working in a laboratory and become a research academic. And on the other hand, I still had no clue about what I wanted to do with my life. It wasn't until I got into the lab three and a half years into my degree and began my year long research honors project on calcium homeostasis and the putative role of TRPC3 channels in mouse cochlear hair cells (laughs) that I realized laboratory science wasn't for me. It was also around this time that I started blogging and writing weekly posts about the brain. These articles were about neuroscience in the context of more ordinary things that affect our day-to-day lives, things like love and attraction, decision-making, cognitive biases, and more. I had also been working part-time as a medical receptionist and making extra cash on the side as a private tutor, a little side hustle I'd started when I was 14 years old. Teaching, supporting patient care and writing were all energizing activities I enjoyed and looked forward to. This contrasted heavily with the gloomy days I spent dissecting, spent under a dissecting microscope and making up artificial perilymph solution. The planned career path it appeared I was heading down was not suited to my personality or my skill set at all. Here I was, an outgoing, often impatient, creative type who loved to help others, and I'd landed myself a year-long lab project, a project perfect for an introvert with great attention to detail and a desire for routine work. Diverted attention or missing a small sequential step in a long line of routine tasks could make or break an entire day's worth of experiments or worse. Experiments that seemed completely irrelevant to anything that was happening in the outside world. And in all honesty, it was a pretty dark time in my life. As I graduated, I felt that I'd just wasted four and a half years studying a science degree that, in the end, got me no closer to furthering my career. I got my first real taste of failure. The failure of wasted time, money, energy, and resource. The failure that holds up a mirror to you and says, you're not good at this or this or this. The failure that says, you should have done better. You should have known better. You should have been better. The failure that calls into question your reason to exist and your value and worth as a human. I believe it's these types of failures that many fear when they ask themselves whether or not they could start a business. 
fear and negative emotions, data worth analyzing. In more recent years of study and self-reflection, I've spent a lot more time learning about the brain and human behavior. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with Queen Mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. The things that are truly of interest to me. The question that fascinates me most of all at this stage of my life is this. How do we find purpose and meaning in the work we do and the lives we live? One of the things I've found particularly interesting is how we choose to deal or not deal with negative emotions. Perhaps this is of great interest to me in part because I've struggled so much with processing negative emotions myself. In therapy, I learned that in choosing to ignore and squash my negative emotions, I was also unable to experience the positive ones. I also learned that by not feeling into my emotions, there was so much that I couldn't learn about myself. All the most useful data about who I am, what I need, and what matters to me doesn't come from my rational thinking brain, the one that had tried for so long to think its way into the right career path and business. It comes from my intuitive, emotional brain. And the negative emotions? Negative feelings matter to me most of all. Whenever I feel in my body that something isn't quite right, I sit with it and gently Gently, I start to amplify that feeling, peeling back the layers to uncover what's underneath that emotional pain or discomfort. As a friend, colleague, partner, and fellow human being on planet Earth, I believe it's important for me to hold a safe space for others to explore these feelings also. It makes both inner conflict within myself and external conflict with others a very different experience, one that is less anxiety-inducing and one that is much more life-affirming. So how do we unpack the feelings we get when we contemplate entrepreneurship? What is at the very heart of those feelings? If you conducted a survey asking people who are hesitant about starting their own business what they were feeling, the chances are they would say, I'm scared of failing. If you dug a little deeper still, at the very heart of this, there will be some version of this sentiment. I'm scared that I'm not good enough. We often talk about this fear in terms of the imposter syndrome. This is where we feel like we're pretending to be someone we aren't because if people knew who we quote unquote really are, we would be inadequate. This feeling, this imposter syndrome, it's rife in our society. In fact, as reported in the Journal of Behavioral Science, it's estimated that 70% of people will experience the imposter syndrome at least once in their lifetime. Many of us experience this as a result of fear of failure and this feeling of being a soon-to-be-discovered imposter may rely on external validation and recognition from others to reassure us that we are, in fact, good enough. This need for reassurance and external validation isn't something we should be beating ourselves up about. As social creatures, our brains are wired this way. Our brain dedicates energy to monitoring whether or not we are accepted by the group of people around us. Our survival depends on belonging, which means we need to feel that we belong. We need to know that we're okay by the standards of those in our immediate vicinity. 
being seen by a particular group as inadequate, unusual, atypical, controversial or uncooperative can mean exclusion from that group. And in a hunter-gatherer context, exclusion can mean isolation, starvation and death. It's no wonder that shame and ridicule have been and continue to be powerful means of control. If you're interested in learning more about the social brain, uh, there's a short video from Centus that I've put in this article. It takes like two minutes to watch and it will really, really clear up uh, any questions that you have about this. One of the traps many people can fall into is to set up these tests of worth. These test of worth experiments that go on in our head subconsciously. And if you wanted to think about it like a research question, it would go something like this. If Joe says, I did a good job, I am good enough. But if Joe doesn't say anything, it means I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate in my job and as a person. At a ra rational level, it's easy enough to quickly identify how illogical this is and brush it off as silliness, something you and I would never worry about ourselves, surely not. But this stuff doesn't happen on a rational level. It happens at an emotional level and it happens at a neurochemical level. Our cognitive biases, our past experiences, our values, our culture, our beliefs, all the things that go into shaping the way we view the world doesn't provide us with very viable data. And it doesn't provide us with very valid data. If we believe I'm not good enough, our brain is constantly scanning our environment in order to quote unquote see whether or not this is true. And it's going to make venturing out on our own appear incredibly dangerous. At school, we can be externally validated when we get a good mark or receive good feedback from a teacher. Or if we don't get this, we may, we may seek external validation elsewhere, perhaps in the opposite direction, being a cool kid who doesn't care about grades and likes to party. At work, we are externally validated when we do good work or make money for the business. If we don't get this, we may seek external validation elsewhere. We might change jobs or professions or focus on activities outside of work like hobbies or sports. As an entrepreneur or a person who is preparing to take a brave step in their career, we need to change the game we're playing entirely. We need to recognize what is worth testing and what isn't, what requires experimentation and what must be taken as a given. We can no longer subconsciously run these experiments in order to determine whether or not we're good enough. Instead, we must take it as a given that we are good enough. It is a priori knowledge, i.e. we deduce this from theoretical reasoning and not from observation or experience. True belonging. True belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. And that's a quote from Brene Brown. You are good enough because you are a human being. I am good enough because I am a human being. She is good enough. He is good enough. They are good enough because all of them are human beings. When we can accept this and understand that we are in fact all good enough, that our value isn't something to be measured or tested, we stop worrying about failure as much, right? Sure, we might wonder whether or not we'll be able to rise to the various challenges that lay ahead, but these are practical concerns with practical solutions. What we're no longer doing is tying our worth and value as a person to the success of a new business venture or career path. 
If I could go back in time and have a chat with my 19-year-old self about that question, what am I going to do with my life? I would encourage them to ask themselves a better question. In science and entrepreneurship, we learn how to ask better questions. We learn how to ask questions that are going to help us acquire new information and build knowledge. And I think a much better question I could have asked myself throughout my 20s is this. How do I use my strengths to do something that is interesting and meaningful to me? It took me a long time to arrive at this question, but once I did, it allowed me to consciously apply the scientific method to my career. I became more deliberate about gathering information, formulating a working hypothesis, and running my next experiment. I think many of us were led to believe that career is something we decide on for life, but our career isn't a set and forget thing. It is a lifelong journey. The decisions we make today are about taking the next step, and for many of us, they are unlikely to lead to a career for life decision. Even if it is seemingly a career for life decision, it doesn't have to become a career for life. Transferring previously acquired skills to a new profession is commonly practiced in our society today. And it's the same with starting a business. Starting a first business doesn't have to be a decision about a forever business. In fact, it may completely change. Mine did. Fixed versus growth mindset. A few months back during my keynote at UNSW's 2021 Careers in Science Festival, I asked STEM students and graduates the following question. What is the most powerful three-word phrase we embrace as scientists? What do you think? For me, it's this. I don't know. Contrary to the popular slogan that science is the new god, the philosophy of modern-day science is not an ideological one, but one that, as Yuval Noah Harari puts it in Sapiens, quote, it assumes that we don't know everything. Even more critically, it accepts that the things that we know, think we know could be proven wrong as we gain more knowledge. No concept, idea, or theory is sacred and beyond challenge. End quote. When we are brave enough to admit that we don't know something, we can begin the discovery process to find out. It takes the pressure off offering up a reactive, invalid answer for the sake of saving face. This acceptance of the unknown and willingness to admit ignorance is what facilitates exploration. It underpins the scientific mindset and the entrepreneurship mindset. In both, we transform I don't know into I don't know yet. I didn't join these dots when I first ventured out of a stable job at 26 years old to rise to the challenge of entrepreneurship. At that time, I kept hearing about this thing called growth mindset. I heard it was this way of being and thinking that sits at the top of Maslow hierarchy of needs as a person achieves self-actualization. What I did know was that scientific framework was important to my business, my career, and my life. And as I thought about it more, I realized they were the same thing. In science, we don't talk about failure or success. We talk about running an experiment and learning from it. Three ways science helps me as an entrepreneur. One, a perspective is adjusted in accordance with the evidence. In the world we currently live in, we see a lot of leaders across the business and political landscape who are unwilling to change their worldview. Entrepreneur and visionary leaders who are willing to change their worldview gain a superpower. They see completely new ways of turning problems into opportunities for progress. Two, it's all a hypothesis to be tested. In science, we learn how to make a best guess and then test it. A best guess, sorry, and then test it. We're less worried about proving to others that we're right, less concerned about whether our test is a success or a failure, and more concerned about learning. And because we want to understand what we're guessing, testing and learning 
we're also careful with how much we invest early on. When my clients ask me to advise on something that I don't know the answer to, I tell them I don't know, and together we formulate a hypothesis. From this, we design a quick and cost-efficient way of running some initial experiments so that we can take our next step. Three, learning fast and cheap is better than slow and expensive. The scientific method is the most powerful, efficient, and effective tool we have for gaining valid and reliable knowledge. When we put care into how we design our experiments at the outset, we're able to learn extremely quickly, and it saves us a lot of money and time as a result. If we were instead to spend time and energy building out an entire business offering on the grounds of our best guess, the cost of failure is extremely high. If instead you assume that your guesswork is just that, guesswork, you can factor that into your business plan and keep your time, cost and risk to a minimum. And there's this quote from Carl Sagan I put in here, which is, science is a way of thinking much more than it is a body of knowledge. Data-driven versus insights-driven. In almost every growth marketing role I read today, I see that data-driven buzzword. Job adverts read, we want a marketer who is data-driven. We need a data-driven marketing strategy. You must be a data-driven marketer. Kind of reminds me when I was growing up and I used to see all those ads for health and beauty products that were all natural chemical free. And I was like, but everything in nature is made up of chemicals. Data, like chemicals, is everywhere. Data, put simply, is information. There's no such thing as information-free or data-free. Every marketer is using information to make a decision. Therefore, they are data-driven. But the real question is whether or not that information, that data, is the best thing for them to be using. An insights-driven approach requires us to translate data into insights that enable us to make reliable predictions and informed decisions. That's what we learn to do amazingly well in science. It enables us to draw insights from that information and make our best decision possible with the information that we have. And what about finding meaning? What would the world be like if every business leader, every board director, every politician embraced the scientific mindset or indeed the entrepreneurship mindset that enabled them to have the courage to say, I don't know yet. What do you think the world will be like if people had the confidence to say that, if our leaders had the confidence to say that? There are so many important problems for us to solve in the world. If you need some inspiration, check out the UN's 17 Sustainability Development Goals. It's a great starting place for discovering the types of meaningful problems that you can contribute to solving as an entrepreneur. It turns out that studying science wasn't a waste of time at all for me because studying science gave me the tools to explore problems and discover solutions in a systematic way. The bottom line, when you learn about a problem that you care about, that's when you find meaning. When you use your greatest strengths to help solve this problem, that's when you make the world a better place. So that's it from me for today. That was my uh, little essay on the entrepreneurship mindset and the power of business science. I'd love to know what you think. Probably the best way to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. That is my most active platform by far. Um, So feel free to send me a message, uh, connect with me if we're not already connected and um and yeah, tell me, tell me what you think. I also love connecting with people who have ideas about how our values, um, our aligned values can help make the better the world a better place. So if there's something that you're um, thinking about a project that you have in the back of your mind and you'd like to chat about it, sort of bounce some ideas around, please reach out to me as well. 
Um, I hope you have a fantastic Chrissy holiday season and new year. And I'll be back in 2022 uh, with more content on being purpose-driven and finding meaning and fulfillment in your career and your life. Until then, remember that stepping into your power will make the world a better place. Cheers, guys. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Oh